So the one thing is, I guarantee you you're going to get out early today. <laughs> it gets kind of hard for me. I, I notice that Dan, can, he can speak for about 35 minutes. Uh, I'm not going to come up with 35 minutes of stuff to stay, say, but anyway. So anyway, before I start, I just want to pray, um, basically for myself, actually. So <laughs> as, you, um, as I pray, please pray, pray with me. Uh, Lord, we are just so thankful for this day. We're thankful for um, this word that you're going to bring to us this day. And we just ask, Lord, that everyone here would just have an open mind and an open heart uh, for what you're going to say this day. We love you, and um, we're just so thankful for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing is, is everybody should know that I just love trivia. I really do. It is a big deal to me. I, every time, every chance I get to go to a trivia contest or something like that, I, I just jump all over it, you know. Plus, I have all the games in the basement. You can ask my kids, my wife, I have Trivial Pursuit, 20 Questions, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Jeopardy, I got them all. So today, we're going to start with, I'm going to ask you two, uh, I want to ask you two trivia questions today. So, the first question is, is, what year do you think it was that a building was built for the exclusive purpose of Christian worship? I mean, just think about it. I asked myself these questions before I actually went to research and found out what it was. And on both these questions, I was wrong both times. So the first one, I, when I asked, I thought to myself, well, what was the first building actually built for Christian worship? I thought, oh, maybe 400, 500 A.D., you know, I was thinking Rome, you know, maybe, you know, something like that. Well, I was wrong. It's 234, they, they're estimating between 234 and 250 A.D. was when the first church was actually built. And the second question I want to ask you is, is where do you think it was built? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Constantinople, Alexander the Great, maybe, you know, when the Greek Orthodox Church maybe started, or Rome when Catholicism started. Again, I was wrong. When I went to do the research, the first church was built in the country of Syria. And it was called the, let me get it, it was called the Dura Europus. And even to this day, people may, may not realize it, but there is a huge Christian um, contingent in the, in the country of Syria. So... Um, my thing, my, my, what I want to try and, uh, the message today is, is I want to talk about being inside of a church and how we should actually treat each other inside this church. I'm not talking about evangelism outside. What I want to talk about is, is how do we treat each other inside of church? So um, I want you to realize that every scripture that I'm going to use today also comes from Paul. The reason why is because Paul, in the New Testament, started almost every church that was to be started in the New Testament. So I'm going to take uh, scriptures from Paul's epistles, and I'm also going to take uh, some scripture from what's called the pastoral letters, which is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. 1 Timothy, Timothy ran the church in Ephesus. That's where he 
was put by Paul. And Titus, when I went to do some research on Titus, it was kind of tough. I didn't know exactly. But Titus went with Paul to the Corinthian church. And there was a lot of trouble, as you can remember, in the, when you read Corinthians, there was a lot of trouble there. And Titus was put there first to be Paul's, you know, like, second-hand man there. And then from there, he went to the island of Crete and started the church with Paul, actually with Paul, in the island of Crete. So, this all has to do with church, inside church. Paul is telling people what to do inside of the church. So, my uh, first thing I want to show you is, is that's the actual, that's the Dura Europa. That's the first church they think. You know, you know, this is all 230 A.D., so they believe this is the first church that was ever built for actual Christian worship. And my first scripture is from Philippians 2, 3, and 6. It says, now this is the way we're supposed to, just think about this when I read this. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this in mind, I mean, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Well, the first instinct of any man is not to be humble like this. That's not the way man operates. But Jesus, as I, 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 when he came down from heaven, he lost all of his privileges that he had in heaven. And he didn't think himself equal with God. Now, if Jesus doesn't think himself equal with God, how should that make you feel when you're around other people? Humble yourself, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm less than you. i humbling myself before you. Be just like Jesus was. And it's hard, and especially in today's society, because it's always, it's always a me thing. It's always about me. And the one thing I remembered when I started writing this is many, many years ago, remember Rick Warren came out with a book? It's called The Purpose Driven Church. Do you remember what the first line of the book was? It's not about me. It's the first line in his book, is it's not about me. And that's the way this scripture is reading, is that it's not about me. And I believe that when we think about other people better than ourselves, that is a true definition of what love is. I'm worried more about you than I am myself. So my next scripture is going to come down. This is going to come from uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. And now this is, we're getting to the nuts and bolts of what to do when we're inside a church. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. So what it's saying is, is that if you're inside a church here, and like you just pick somebody, you know, just think about somebody in church here, 
If they're older than you, you should treat them like they're your mom. If they're the same age as you, you should treat them like a sister or a brother. And if they're young, that's what I get from this scripture, is I have to treat them like it's a child of my own. And it, man, and it always has to say in there that you must treat each other with all purity. That all of our thoughts about each other should be with a pure heart. Amen? Okay. I would encourage everyone to read the three pastoral letters. It's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. It goes into so much detail about what, how a church should be set up, how we're supposed to take care of a widow, how we're supposed to pick a deacon, how we're supposed to pick an elder, you know, in the whole hierarchy of what church is. These three letters uh, teach us th those things. Now, the next scripture I'm going to deal with is, I mean, you know, a lot of people think it's really controversial when, when you first read it. And it says, Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, as the church also submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now you think I'm going to stand up here as a man, and I'm going to tell all you women, this is what you need to do. Well, I'm smarter than that. I am much smarter than that. So the past two weeks, what I did was, is I asked six women inside this church to read this scripture and in an email send it to me what it means to you. So what I'm about to say is kind of a collaboration of six women in this church with combined marriage totals of about 160 years and myself. So, <clears throat> what is the, um, my first question would be when I read this verse, when you read it, it says, wives submit to your own husbands. My first question is, what are you submitting? I mean, think about it. What are you actually submitting to your husband? Twice it's mentioned in that verse to submit. It says, what, what, I mean, what it was it says? It says, everything to the Lord. So, wives, if you're going to submit to the Lord everything that you are, you, you submit your what? I mean, your assurances, your safety. Um, you depend on him for... Um, you know, the material things that you need in your life. And it says, you, you, it's not about submitting, you know, a man telling a wife, this is what you have to do. What it's about is, is wives, you submit to your husband what you're going to submit to the Lord. And husbands, that is a huge responsibility to take on. As it says, uh, you read on in the scripture, for the husband is the head of the wife, 
and his body is the head. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I mean, read it again. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We depend on God for everything. I, it, it's, a, it's a hard concept, but it, what you have to realize is that it's mutual. There's nothing over or above one of the other. Um, so what it's saying is, is that as a man, as my wife submits to me, she's submitting her heart, she's ex- submitting her success, she's submitting an assurance that I am going to take care of you, just like God takes care of. And it says, men, give, herself, give yourself up like Jesus gave up for the church, which means what? He died. He died. He died for the church. Men, you must be willing to die for your wife and your family. You should be like in the first, the first scripture we read, your wife and what she wants should be more important to you than what you want. You hear me? You, your wife, should be more important to you than what you want in life. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about. Now that's about love, and I know that the title of my, of the talk that I was going to have today was about encouragement too. I think it's a huge thing to encourage one another. I can only, I, I have to take it from my, from my own experience. Umpteen years ago, my wife knows, she was a union worker at Western Union. And through God's providence, things have happened so much from that, from that day. But my wife came to me and said, they want me to go to college. And they want me to get my bachelor's degree. She goes, what do you think? Well, I knew instantly that if my wife was going to go to college, it was going to put somewhat more of a a burden on the household and me. You know, she she was going to have to take classes, she was going to have to do homework, and this was accelerated. So it was going to take something on my part, more on my part, to make sure that she got her bachelor's degree. And I asked her, what do you want to do? Well, she wants to go. Well, if you want to go... I want you to go. And it took me to, not that I do it anymore, because, you know, I'm retired, but um, <laughs> I took care of the house. I cooked. I tried to clean. It was never good enough, naturally. <laughs> I put too many clothes in the washing machine. But I tried, you know, to, to encourage my wife in what it is that she wanted to do. Now, on the other hand... My wife is much more encouraging than I ever was to her. And this is the honest to goodness truth. Probably 20, 19, 20 years ago, Pastor Dan came to me and he said, he knew 
he knew somehow, somebody told him, which if I ever, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> if I ever catch that person, no. But Pastor Dan had realized that I had started to learn how to play guitar. Well, before that, they would just throw a, an I Worship CD in the, in the player, and they would shoot the words up on the screen, and Pastor Dan tried to lead worship, you know. And then he found out that I was taking guitar lessons, and he said, Rob, will you sing just one song? One song. Which, was, <laughs> which means there's going to be two songs, three songs, four down the road. But he said, just one song, Rob's all I need from you. It's a trap, <laughs> exactly, it's a trap. But anyway, I was so nervous, and I went to my wife, and it's like, wow, I don't know. I'll probably die. I'll probably, my heart will probably beat so hard that I'll probably die. And my wife said, no, Rob, no, you can do it. I know you can. I have 100% confidence that you can stand up there and sing a song by yourself. And so it was very encouraging to me. And the other thing that my wife, if I can even say it, the most encouraging words that my wife ever told me was, was that you're a good You're a good father and a good husband. Of all the things that were encouraging to me, those words were the were, were just filled me with joy and um, and I knew I could do anything because I knew at that point that my wife had my back in everything. She was there for me. She would do anything for me. And I think that's what we should do for each other. You know, we need to go out of our ways here at this church to find out what other people's dreams are, what other people's wants are. Now, to do this, folks, you have to know people. You have to get to know people. I know that Mike loves to do triathletes, I, or whatever you call them. I'm so far from a triathlete, it's not funny. But I know that's what he likes because I know Mike. I, I know, you know, Sarah likes horses. I mean, you have to get to know people so that you can encourage them in whatever it is that they do. And here's another thing of encouragement that I do. I do it with Mike. I do it with my twin brother. I do it with people in here. Where are you reading in the Bible right now? Where are you reading? It's encouraging to people because, first off, if they're not, it puts them on a spot. And second off, it also engages you with them, you know, to, to learn about them. So that's one thing I would encourage today. A lot of people, and, I, and you know it happens all the time, people come into church, they come right before the song starts, they sit down, they sing, they listen to Pastor Dan, and as soon as Pastor Dan's done and the last song is sung, they get up and they walk out. I would encourage to learn to get to know people. Find that, I mean, I shouldn't say, you know, stop them from leaving, but 
you know, just be, just be a little bit more assertive in trying to get to know who they are. Amen? Amen. And it's, we've done it before. I used, we used to do it all the time. And we just used to say, take time, even in that two or three minutes in between when we sing songs and Pastor Dan starts to speak, we used to say, I want you to go up to somebody that you've never said a word to before. And I want you to say something to them. I just want you to say hi. I mean, just try and start a conversation. And I know it takes a little bit. There's a lot of people that are shy. But it takes that to get to know who somebody is. I've had a home group in my house for 15 years. I know those people so well in that home group that Ralph and Al and they are brothers to me. They're not just people that go to church here. They are my brothers. I've known them that long and I know that much about them. That's another thing I would encourage. You know, home group, the lesson down in the basement. So that's that. And then my last scripture that I have, it deals with children and their parents. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We don't have a whole lot of children here today. I see one. It's like children, this is, what I, what I, um, I get from this is I think back to my own mother. My own mother until she got married when she was 39 years old, she obeyed her mom like she was, you know, I don't know how you put it, but she turned over her paycheck to her mother. And, and she did everything that her mother said that she was supposed to do. I don't know if she ever questioned or not. I never did ask that question. All I know is, is that I knew that my mother obeyed her mom, my grandmother, up until she was 39 years old and got married. My mom lived to be 93 years old. It's a promise that if the children obey your parents, that it may go well with you and you may live a long life in the land. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers and mothers as a group, God sees you as one now, it's not the church's job it is not to totally teach your children about who God is. It's your job as parents to teach them. It's the church's job to be there for you and back you up and support you in that. But the first job you have is to teach your children in the fear of the Lord. And another thing it says uh, that I, I, I get from this one is, is that it's kind of hard. I remember my dad... You remember when your dad, you'd ask your dad to do something, he'd say, maybe? Maybe. Well, you know what maybe meant. No. No, there was no way. And it's the constant no from a parent to a child that, like this scripture says, or there's another scripture that says that it exasperates your children. The constant no exasperates your children. 
So today I'd ask you to go out of your way today to meet somebody, to talk to somebody. To say hi to someone you've never spoken to before. So I don't have some uh, tremendous finish on, on this word, but I just, I would just think about what it is to be in a church and to be a church family and to treat everybody like a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a child. Just think about it the next week when you come back to talk to that one person that you may have never talked to before. Amen? Okay, well, that's it. That's all I have today. But I, I'm going to do just like Dan does. And I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But I'm going to do a little different. I'm not the ABC guy. We're going to do a little different today. There's a thing in the Bible called the Roman Road to Salvation. Have you ever heard of it? Yep. So the first scripture is this one. It says, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The next one is, is the wages of that sin is death. But the, three, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the third one is, is Romans 5, 8, it says, But God shows his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When those Roman soldiers were spitting on, throwing crowns of thorns on Jesus' head, being mocked and beaten, Romans 5 says, he still loved them when they were doing that. And I know there are people even today that figuratively they're mocking Jesus. Figuratively they're spitting on him. But I would say even to this day, no matter what you think about Jesus, he loves you and that he died for you. And the last one is, this is like the ABCs all wrapped in one. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's a certain thing in there that says Jesus is Lord. You can confess your sin and ask God to forgive you, but if Jesus hasn't become Lord of your life, you haven't fulfilled the commitment to who Jesus is. So you can't just have fire insurance and just pray the prayer. You have to pray the prayer, and you have to make Jesus your Lord. And you have to believe that Jesus is who he is, that he's the Son of God, he died on the cross for your sin, and that he was raised on, from the dead. So let's pray. If you have never prayed a prayer of salvation, I ask that you would pray this with me today. And it's really simple, but very profound, and it's like this. It says, Lord... I've sinned. Please forgive me for my sin. I, want to, I turn away from that sin and ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my whole heart that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sin, and that on the third day, he rose from the dead 
And right now, Jesus is sitting next to the Father in heaven. Amen and amen. Now let's, let's pray for ever, let's pray for ourselves, those that are Christians. Let's pray about this loving one another. Lord, we are so thankful this day that by your Holy Spirit, you've brought a word to us that we are supposed to love each other like mother, sister, brother. Lord, I want you to teach me every week that I come in into this church and teach everyone here that when they come here that they are to love one another as you have loved us. And that we ought to think more of others than we think of ourselves. A true definition of what love is. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's sing that last song. What do you say? All right.